much. Joining me this morning is Paula Martini, who's a travel designer and uh, co and owner of Co Travel, to talk about these uh, visas. Paula, good to have you with us this morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure being able to talk about travel. It's one of my passions. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolute pleasure. What are the potential benefits then that this uh, visa could offer to remote workers, first off? I think, you know, looking at, at how society is evolving and how, um, you know, the effects of um, COVID have on so many of the workforce that people are not wanting to go into offices anymore and are now being able to work remotely. You don't have to, you're not actually forced to be at home anymore. So why not travel and work at the same time? So I think going on, on the basis of how society has changed in a work environment and countries actually realizing that this is a form of revenue that, that they now can bring people into their, into their, um, economies and generate, generate income from it. So, you know, it's, it's something that is, has slowly, slowly started to evolve. And I think there's over 46 countries now that are, um, offering the solution. And it's, it's still not, you know, people think, oh, well, I can go anywhere. I've got a passport. I can go anywhere and I can work anywhere. Um, but it's still it's still not the case in terms of the actual visa itself. And I think what a lot of travelers um, don't realize is the complexities of a visa. Um, it can be a very complex thing, but it can also be a very simple thing. So I always like to use a, a phased approach in terms of visa applications. And I have this philosophy that the more information you provide, the better. There's no such thing as too much, but there's always something as too little. So it's it's one way to boost the boost economy. I mean, if you look at um, the UK, for example, um, one of they didn't increase their taxes for their local citizens, but what they did do is increase their visa costs so that they can actually um, keep keep the economy going in terms of, of affordability for residents within their country, but make those visiting the country actually subsidize their, their tax shortfalls, mm-hmm. which I think is very, very clever. Okay. Um, and it's something something that a lot of countries could do. I mean, we don't want travelers. I mean, the UK being one of the most expensive visas, I believe. Um, you know, they've got a scaled approach, which is a six-month visa to a two-year visa to a 10-year visa, and, and the costs can go up to 200,000 Rand. So, um, you know, it's one way to generate revenue. But but the other way is almost as if you are able to, and that's what the digital nomad visa is about, is a temporary residence almost. Okay, before so we get into that, Paula, to... I just want to talk to you about, I just want, I'm just going to slow you down a little bit, uh, just so that we can sure. d- d- have a little bit of an understanding of um, th- the type of the type of work that these remote workers are doing. Um, like, who, who is this? What kind of, uh, what kind of jobs are remote workers into? Because in my mind, it's just, um, I'm thinking IT people with a laptop travel, but I'm sure it's much, much broader than that, right? Oh, no, absolutely. You know, it's basically anybody that is no longer needed in an office environment. So if you are able to work from home without having to go into your office every day, and you can work from home off your laptop, no matter the job you're doing, you can be a digital nomad. Because whether you're sitting in your home or whether you're sitting on the beach in Mauritius, as long as your company is happy with the results that you're returning in terms of your work delivery, you're a digital nomad. So in the old days, it used to only be IT people and um, bloggers and influencers and writers and those kinds of things. It's no longer the case. 
you could literally be a stockbroker and travel with three computers, set it up on your hotel desktop, do your do your trading, and then head to the beach in the afternoon. So it's anybody with a laptop. What do the sort of the, the stats? What does the information tell us about those people who are currently taking advantage of digital nomad visas, be they in uh, Barbados or uh, the other four countries of Africa? What, what, uh, what who are they? Um, so we've talked about potentially the roles that they might be in and, and the industries they might be in. But who are they? Because, again, in my mind, I'm thinking probably younger, singletons, no kids. Um, but I imagine that's probably not accurate either. Who, what do we know about them? Oh, my goodness. It's it's so varied because it's you've got your... You've got your millennials, right? And, and, and coming up in the ranks now are, are the Gen Zs. But you've got literally all walks of life. I mean, you, you've got people that have wanted to have children who no longer are having kids, are in their 40s and 50s and are, are saving up and saying, you know what, let's just go for a year, year and a half. So I think it's, it's, it's quite hard to to put an actual pin on the statistics and the numbers. And, and I must be honest, I, I didn't do that. I, you know, I was focusing more on the requirements and from a travel point of view than, than the actual statistics of it. But I know that we, we've gotten um, some reports from our reservation systems, which we call the GDS, um, whether that's Amadeus or, or Travel Portal or one of those. And the, the numbers are staggering in terms of the amount of people that are now looking for travel experience. And with that comes the digital nomad. So people are taking a year or two and are traveling while working. Because the thing is, how many people in today's economy can actually afford to just travel for a year or two? So there needs to be some form of income that is still coming in um, for these people to be able to afford what they're doing. Because let's be honest, not everybody's being paid by TikTok and Instagram or, or influencers or, or being paid trips. You need to earn the money that you need to kind of to sustain this kind of lifestyle. So I, I think, you know, that the potential revenue earnings from this kind of travel niche is running into the millions, millions, if not going into billions at the, at the moment, are uh, I honestly believe. And if if just looking at, at the trend on social media um, and the amount of accounts and the amount of people that are now offering digital services um, to people, you know, it's 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 alarming. And and I think it's it's opportunity. It's opportunity for those within the travel industry to now actually tap into this niche market. Um, these kinds of travelers are cost conscious. There are a lot of DIY um Travelers. I mean, I belong to a travel group that is actually um, managed and administrated in Cape Town, actually. Um, it's called Travel News. And there are probably about 90, if not more, members within this group. And all of them are digital nomads. They are coming from Africa. They're coming from the UK. They're coming from America. A lot of them are coming from South America. Um, a lot of them are couch surfing. I mean, that's another Another thing that people are doing, the digital nomads are doing to um, help with costing um, and travel expenses. But it's you, you will not believe how, how many of it 
or how many people are out there that are doing it. And I think it's it's quite difficult to track the actual statistics because I think a lot of these kinds of travelers are the DIY kind of travelers that are, you know, that I've mentioned is they are booking their own flights, they are doing their um, own accommodations, they're couch surfing, they're house sharing, they're doing these kinds of things. Um, Airbnb, I know Airbnb is one that has also launched a program in Cape Town um, to allow for long stay rates and for people um, taking up the opportunity of, um, you know, digital nomad visas and and stays. You know, but, uh, Airbnb was one of those companies that only did short stays, but they are now doing long stay, and that's to actually accommodate for this type of traveller. We're talking to Paula Martini, who's founder of Co-Travel, to talk about the recent uh, publication of draft regulations at this stage for uh, digital nomad visas in South Africa. And just to clear up something, this isn't this isn't for us as citizens. This is for uh, remote workers, people from abroad, to come here uh, and and work. Uh, there, there are so many things as you're talking, um, Paula, that I kind of want want to dive into. Um, the first would be a new sort of touched on this um is is the tax implication uh so um i know for, for in the, in the uk if you are a resident for s- less than six months in the uk you can be exempt from paying tax in that country if the remainder of the time that you are spending um is in cape town uh, what how is that going to affect things um in terms of of paying tax you touched on 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 the tax issue what would that mean here um does it propose um an, an income tax exemption for foreigners uh, working in South Africa? How does that work? And, and then what would that mean legislatively? Presumably, we need to take account of that, which would mean a change in legislation, which again takes time. Absolutely. So I think the the um, the most important factor is when we when we're looking at these digital nomad visas, is that each country has its own requirements. So it's as I said, it's it's not just a matter of I can work on my computer, I can hop on a plane, and I can go to a country, and I can now work there. Yes, you can if you if you're on a short stay visa, and you're only going to be there for two two weeks, and you've applied for a, a tourism visa, um, which theoretically is still a bit of a grey area. Um, I think in in how how countries are actually going to fully manage this. So. I think the most important part is your length of stay. So a lot of countries have regulations with these visa types to actually have a look at how long you're planning on staying in that country. And then they're actually looking at your revenue. Um, So you have to have to be able to prove a certain amount of income that you'll be generating. Because I think the most important thing for every country, whether it's going to be South Africa and the UK, you know, wherever, is that you are not going to place a strain on the economy and the services of that country as a visitor. So for the first, for the first thing is making sure that you have enough health insurance, um, that you have got your own place to stay, that you're not going to become a, a hobo while you, while you are traveling. And then also, so your, your proof of income. And then depending on your length of stay, um, within a six or a 12 month period, um, you, so for, for South Africa, for example, if the visa is valid for a period not exceeding six months within 12 months, you don't have to register with SARS. But if you're going to be staying longer than that, then you actually have to register with the local um, tax office. 
to contribute towards the economy. Paula, let and me I ask you a question. Gen- I'm so sorry to interrupt. Okay. But let me let me ask you a question. And 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 in here's here's where I'm thinking. What is there must be people now who are probably in Cape Town right now who are coming in on a visitor visa, which is what three months, I believe. They're coming in on that visa, but yeah. they're working. Um, and they've got yes. they've got the money uh, because they're earning in euro or dollars or or pounds. And when the time comes that they need to renew, they or they they pop across to Mozambique or they pop across to wherever they leave the country and then they come back in. Um, thus, meaning that they wouldn't that they could. I, I'm wondering how do we make sure that that isn't happening in order that we are uh, this is of benefit to us as as South Africa as a country? Because I'm telling you, there's people doing that now. Oh, no, there absolutely is, uh, without a doubt. I, I know for a fact. I, I, I deal with it on a daily basis. Um, you literally got 90 days within a country. You have to arrive with a return ticket. Whether that return ticket is valid or not or is an actual legitimate return ticket, as long as you've got proof of a return ticket. But against ticket, the value of the rand, if all you're having to pay is, you know, um, 500 bucks or 500 pounds, which is relatively not an awful lot of money if, you, if you've got the pounds, yeah, sure, pay it. Whether you use that ticket or you don't use it or you need to fly out of the country and come back in. So I'm just wondering what's the, uh, what's the impetus for people to stop doing that and avail themselves of a digital nomad visa? Yes, yes. So I think what, what, what they're trying to do here is actually implement some form of control to right. actually stop the fact that people are coming in on a tourist visa yet are still working. Right. They are potentially placing some strain on the health system and not contributing to the tax services. But also what they're trying to do is make it easier because before, yes, if you were in Durban, for example, to be able to drive into Mozambique and come back again is your 90 days. What they have done is they are clamping down on the fact that you cannot go to a neighboring country to be able to uh, revalidate your visa. So you literally have to go to a country that is not bordering South Africa to be able to renew that 90-day visa. So what you, you literally are having to purchase a ticket to exit the country to go into a, so a Kenya or a back to London or to somewhere else, to Mauritius or to Zanzibar or wherever, and then come back in again. So um, I think what this is also trying to do is, you know, every 90 days to have to leave and come back again can be cumbersome. It's expensive. It adds up. Um, and if you were to go this route, um, you actually are paying for a visa and then you literally do not have to do this for 12 months. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. Uh, the other issue, of course, that, that comes up is um, how the, again, Yes, we want the uh, we want the revenue. We want people to come here. We want them to spend money. But of course, it pushes accommodation prices up. Um, I'm thinking particularly of a of a, of a city like uh, like Cape Town, making it therefore unaffordable, uh, perhaps for uh, in terms of a rental market uh, for people here. What 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 is there? What do we what what can we put in place there that protects then us? Well, I think. You know, and that's that's like I said earlier with regards to accommodation being and, and, and the approach that Airbnb has taken it, taken on this whole concept, is to actually incentivize people to do long-term rentals versus the short stays. And I think, you know, anything in travel, it's the same as the airfares, and I, I spoke about this on air the other day, was supply and demand. Mm-hmm. You know, if the supply is there, the prices are going to, to be competitive. Um, if the supply isn't there, 
you know, if the, if the, if, 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 yeah, if the availability isn't there, yes, your prices are going to go up. But it's also going to incentivize locals to now have a look at, at potentially owning that Airbnb where they are tapping into this long-term rental for mu- a month, two months, six months within this niche market. So I think it's it's creating a whole new niche within the travel industry. So it's, it's, it's you know, it has its pros and it has its cons. Sure. But as I say, it's also supply, supply and demand. And it gives opportunity to locals to actually convert those properties that they do have to be able to accommodate for this market. I mean, look what 2020, uh, 2010 did to to the hotel and small uh, short stay markets when so many people built hotels and converted homes to accommodate for all the the mm. soccer fans mm. Mm. you know that that created a massive a massive volume of properties available in our country and 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 this has the potential to do the same because i would rather have someone staying in in my property for 6 months versus just two weeks, you know, sure. or, or quick turnarounds. Sure. And and our South Africans are on, on, on the short stay, you know, they're on the short stay side of, of scale. And 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 the, the property types are different, you know. You, you've got them going into self-catering where your holiday makers are going into hotels. Mm-hmm. I mean, a digital nomad is not going to be staying at the V&A waterfront in the Radisson Blue Um you know, he's he's going to be staying in a, in a self-catering. He's going to be cooking for himself on the odd nights. He's going to be traveling around. He's going to be making the most of experiences. So, you know, I think it's, yeah, it, you know, availability. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you can never actually put your finger on and say, okay, it's going to be this. But I, I don't think it's going to drive prices through the roof. I think it's going to create opportunity. I really do believe Paula, I suppose the other thing, and we don't have time to really go into it, but the, the other thing is that it's it's lovely to be in Cape Town, the mountain, the sea, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then we start having to look at infrastructure. We've got load shedding. I wonder uh, how uh, how soon it is before the, the bloom falls off the rose. Or Is that the, is that the term? Uh, you know what I mean? So in terms of that, I, I guess still there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, Paula uh, Martini is the founder of uh, Co-Travel, joining me this morning to talk about the recent publication of Draft regulations for digital nomad visas in South Africa. Your thoughts? 021-446-0567, 0725671567 on the WhatsApp and 31567.